Well, thank you for allowing me to have this great privilege of coming here. Uh, seems like I get to come here once a, once a year and preach the word. Um, I always say that I inspire young people to get into ministry because they always see what I do and then they say, well, I can do as good as he can. So <laughs> I, I, was, I grew up a farm boy, never aspired to public speaking and still it's not something I enjoy, but I was called to pastor, be a missionary, called to ministry when I was 16 and, and I tried to fight it and say, Lord, I really don't want to do that. Um, but uh, he just kept put, putting it in my heart that I needed to minister the word of God in whatever way God wanted me to do it. So I'm here today um, presenting the word. You're not going to be inspired through my, my eloquence or my ability to manipulate you into thinking one way, persuading you. The only way you're going to be inspired to do something is if you pay attention to the Word of God and you allow the Holy Spirit to, to guide you into the Word of God. I really believe that's, that's the key um, because sometimes, you know, you, you want to you just follow a person. And there's so many people following people today instead of following God, and, and that is a problem. That is a problem in the church, and in, especially in North America, that you know, we, we have celeb, celebrity pastors or celebrity um, just workers, and we got to get away from that. Uh, let's point people to Jesus. When you witness to somebody, when you teach a class, uh, don't worry about whether you're going to say it the right way. Just speak the word of God and let the chips fall where they may, so to speak. And that's what I believe in doing. Now, you, I didn't even look in my bulletin. You have an outline. Is that correct in the bulletin? So if you want to follow along, I always recommend people filling in the blanks. I think Pastor Mike does that as well. It makes you think a little bit more when you're writing down the words. So if you want to do that, go ahead. If you don't, I won't be offended uh, some people don't like to write and, and listen, but uh, whatever you want to do. I, I do want to th say thank you to this church for supporting us now for, I believe it's been a couple of years, and we're, we've got a couple of ministries going on right now. We, we just put a pastor uh, a few months back in Clinton Bible Church. It was a church plant that was um, elder-run, elders taking turns preaching, which, which worked out pretty well, but... Uh, they were getting burned out, and they needed a, they needed a shepherd to come in, and, and we helped uh, uh, place one there. Actually, he was a, a, a man that did an internship at Harvard Bible Church, a Trinity grad, and uh, he is there now, and, and the church is really flourishing there in Clinton, uh, Clinton Bible Church, Clinton, Wisconsin. And so pray for that work. It's going well, but you know when things go well, the devil wants to attack and break it down. So uh, I don't see that happening yet, but I'm always on the, on the lookout for, for anything like that could be happening. But there's also just times of, of growth and, and you know, growing pains as well in a young church. It was an old, old Lutheran church that had been closed for a number of years, and uh, they got the church very cheap. It's a small town, about 1,500, 
and uh, now it's, it's just, uh, it's a blessing to see what's happening. And then we're also starting a Bible study just this, about a month ago, in a small town, another small town, about 1,500, uh, but there's no gospel preaching church in the town. It has a closed Methodist church, a, um, a liberal Lutheran church that's gone away from the gospel at, totally, and then a Catholic church in town, and that's all there's there. So we started a Bible study. Uh, we're going to actually meet. I'm going to head there tonight, and it's their third Bible study. And the college career class at Harvard is helping out uh, with that Bible study and getting things going. So it's just the beginning stages, so you can remember to pray for those two things. So remember to pray for Clinton and Sharon, Wisconsin. By the way, if you don't know, it, Woodstock, Harvard area is right near the border of Wisconsin, so we do a lot of things on both sides of, of the border there, so if you're wondering uh, where we're located. Our farm that I live on was the farm I grew up on um, in Woodstock, and my dad is a retired dairy farmer, bought the farm in 1958. He, uh, with my sister, built a house across the street, so then we moved back to the family farm back in 2008, and uh, raising our family. Most of them are raised. Uh, we have a 29-year-old is the oldest, and uh, then we have a 10-year-old, uh, and he's the only one that's still uh, younger than college age. So we've got some that come and go. And we have good news. Uh, our second son just got engaged, so we're, we're very happy for him. He graduated from Cedarville University, and he's working down in Dayton, and he's going to be uh, married in the spring. So um, we're excited for Wyatt as well. All right, so I want you to dig into 1 Corinthians chapter 2. What we did during the Sunday school hour is we did a little background in the book of Acts as Paul was, was ministering, evangelizing, church planting there in Corinth. We looked a little bit about that, and, and now we're going to see what Paul writes back to Corinth now that he's gone, and he writes this letter, as you know, First. Uh, 1 Corinthians talks about some issues that the, the church in Corinth was going through. A lot of growing pains there, as you know, if you've studied 1 Corinthians. But there's also some uh, just emphasis on doing things the right way. We talked about that in Sunday school. And doing everything by the power of the Spirit. Not doing it according to the flesh. Not trying to do things... Uh, jamming things through in a human way. And um, I, I love Paul because, as you will see, he was a man that was not uh, a strong public speaker. Uh, he came from a different background than, than I came from, but we have some things in common, and he and I, <laughs> he's, he's in heaven with uh, Lou Clark right now, having a great service probably, um, praising the Lord but um, but I just love Paul and love to go and I wish I could preach all the time from his letters, but obviously I don't do that because we're supposed to be balanced in the preaching of the Word of God. But uh, such encouraging stuff here that we see in First Corinthians chapter. By the way, my wife's not with me. I'm glad because I use the word stuff a lot, and I always get yelled at on Sunday afternoon. When she says, quit using the word stuff. You're always talking about good stuff and Bible stuff and preaching stuff. And it's like, quit using stuff. Well, so um, she can't yell at me today. She, as, as Carl said, VBS was exhausting for her. She does a lot of teaching and stuff. And, and uh, 
when I told her we had to leave at 6.45 this morning to get here, and she's, she takes care of 100 chickens, and uh, so she would have had to get up, and she was just exhausted from the week. And then they were, there were some stuff, there you go, uh, going on at uh, Harvard Bible Church this morning, uh, you know, the songs and the kids, and we were hoping some of the families that came from the area would come, and so she's helping out uh, with that as well. So... Um, but she sends her greetings, and she loves you guys and appreciates you as I do. All right. Um, now, have you ever heard the expression, wouldn't it be great to have the mind of Albert Einstein? Okay, you guys all know who Albert Einstein is. He's the one with the poof, poofy hair. Okay, great intellect of days gone by. Um, but if we... If we j- you know, sometimes we think, if I just had the mind of Albert Einstein, what could I accomplish? What could I, if, if I had that kind of brain power, what could I do? I would be so smart, so witty, so knowledgeable. Now, I want you to look back at the end of our passage. Look at verse 14 in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Contrasting this with shall we say, the mind of Albert Einstein. 1 Corinthians 2.14, But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. Verse 16, For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. So if you ever thought about, wouldn't it be great to have the mind of Albert Einstein? Well, let me suggest this. It is far, eternally better to have the mind of Christ than it is to have the mind of Albert Einstein. You know, if you had the mind of a great intellectual, maybe you could accomplish some pretty cool things. But to have the mind of Christ is to have what I call a full benefits package. Think about it. When you have Christ, when you are indwelt by the Spirit of Christ, when you follow, hopefully we're all followers of Jesus Christ. We put on our Twitter accounts or our Facebook accounts. and You know, I'm a a husband of of Jennifer, uh, father of six, uh, father of six and follower of, of Jesus Christ. If we are truly followers of Jesus Christ, we have the mind of Christ and therefore we are forgiven. We are forgiven of our sin. We have a glorious hope in the future that we will be in heaven with the Lord and we will follow some of these great people of faith like Lou Clark. In case you didn't know, I love Lou and I couldn't come here for the funeral but I've known him for 25 years and a uh, great man of God and, and uh, was encouraged, encouragement to me over the years when we used to minister uh, down the road in Hammond. So um, a great example for many people. But again, to have the mind of Christ is to have all these other things, the, the hope of f- the future in heaven, to, to be saved, to, to have the Spirit of God dwelling in us and allowing him to fill us uh, you could go on and on. You under Understanding the word, being illumined uh, in, by the spirit into the word of God just goes on and on of what it means to have the mind of Christ. Yes, to have the mind of Albert Einstein and know a few things and be able to, to do this and that in the world 
um, pales in comparison to what it means to have the mind of Christ. So how do we obtain the mind of Christ? Well, the two S's, right? Salvation and sanctification. You've got to have a starting point. Hopefully everyone here has received Jesus Christ as their Savior. We read the verse earlier. Have you received him? And then once you've been saved, you start the process of sanctification, being set apart daily as we get into the word, as we pray, set apart from sin, set apart from a worldly direction, and walking with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Never forget the two S's, salvation and sanctification. And then we have the mind of Christ. Now, you see your first point there? Here we go. Let's dig in. First of all, we see that in verses 1 through 5, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, that the Christian speech or preaching does not come from human wisdom, but from the power of the Spirit. doesn't matter how smart you are, okay? If you don't have the mind of Christ, uh, it's, life is a dead-end road. Life is without purpose. Life is without joy. Yes, you have pleasure for a season, but you miss out on the good stuff, okay? The good stuff. The Christian speech or preaching does not come from human wisdom, but from the power of the Spirit. Look at verse 1. And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God, for I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Now, there is a lot of evidence that Paul was not a strong, dynamic public speaker. But again, the reason God used Paul, the reason we talk about Paul and see him, see what he did and how it talks about an ex that he turned the world upside down through the power of the Spirit, the reason he was able to do that is because of his relationship with God. It was hot. It was, it was close. He walked with God, kind of like Enoch, right? Walked with God and was no more. Um, you think of great men in the scripture, great women in the scripture, walking with God. That's what Paul was. Now, you think of, you know, we, we, we see examples, but I'm pretty sure that probably most people that were close with God will never know of. Because walking with God is also a, a humble walk. So most people will never know. Um, probably some of you in this room are, are just spiritual giants, maybe not in being well-known, but spiritual giants because you, you know you're close to God and you have a close relationship and you're, you're striving to please him and you love him with all your hearts. And you, you share that with your children and your grandchildren and with your neighbors. And, and I commend you and say, keep going, keep walking. Keep, keep fighting the good fight, but do it by the Spirit. Don't get like me sometimes. You know, I, 
I, I start just getting fired up for the Lord and things are going well and I'm, and I'm walking along and then you, you kind of see a side path and you're like, oh, let's journey down this little path for a while. Or, or maybe you're like, well, I've, I'm all filled up and I'm, I'm all, you know, like a car, all gassed up, full tank. And then you realize you're driving along and, and you're just, you know, going, going down the highway. And you know what happens if you don't refuel? You run out of gas, right? You don't want that to happen. So keep walking in the Spirit. Don't, get, don't give up. Don't quit. Don't slow down. Keep going down that path. Does anyone love the sport of hockey? I know hockey's not huge around here, but I love hockey. And the reason I love hockey is because my parents, we, we have a pond on our farm. Um, I had friends with ponds. We had a friend... Um, uh, had a, he was a, his dad was a sod farmer, and he had a big pond, and, and then the city park had a pond. We had ponds all over the place up there in Woodstock Harbor area. And, uh, you know, it, it, during Christmas, seems like I always get a pair of skates and, and maybe a new hockey stick. And I remember I got the, uh, the, the cool glove. You know how they wear these huge gloves, you know, hockey players? And I got, when I was like 12, I got a pair of those big old monster gloves. I really didn't need them because I wasn't all that good, but <laughs> it was just cool to wear them, you know, and I got excited about it, and then, you know, I'd get hockey cards and get a book, and I'd get a little, like, uh, you know, the little, um, what do you call it, recipe boxes. Well, I would, I would get all these recipe boxes, and I'd have little files, and I'd file all my hockey cards in these recipe boxes. It was kind of goofy. But, um, in fact, I'm so goofy, I still got them somewhere in the house. <laughs> One of the advantages of moving back to the house you grew up in, you know, we were gone, I graduated in 81, came back in 2008 to the house I grew up in, is that all my junk is still there and, you know, stored in different places in the house that mom kept over the years. So you go back and you find these old hockey cards and stuff. But, yeah, I, my, my point is I was excited about hockey and hockey is a great sport, but, you know, I was thinking if I really didn't play hockey and go out on the pond and really goof around with it, I probably wouldn't have been a big hockey fan today. In other words, if I just read in the newspaper about, you know, the Blackhawks or, or read about the finals or, or maybe saw the statistics, of the, I probably wouldn't be that excited. But the power of being excited about something is is you know, not only following it, but being a part of it. So what I'm saying is if you're a Christian, uh, it's, it's fantastic. And, and we need to be in the Word daily, and we need to read about it, we need to study it. But let's make sure we are experiencing God and we are living out being a follower of Christ. Are we talking to people about the gospel? Are we part of like we were this week, vacation Bible school, getting kids and, and, and you know, mentoring children and, and dealing with um, youth. And are, we, are, we, are we having family devotions at home? Are we, are we just living the Christian life? Are we experiencing it? That's how we get excited about being a follower of Jesus, not just reading a verse, memorizing it, being in church, being in Sunday school. These are important things, and I'm not belittling it at all those are important but we also got to live it out we got to go out of these out the doors like your sign in the back there you're entering what's it say you're entering the mission field now 
Yeah, we got to remember that. We're always in the mission field. And whether we're going to, like our friends that went to Africa, or whether our other friends that are in Indonesia, or whether we're in Sharon, Wisconsin, or whether we're just a block away in, in your neighborhood, we need to live out the Christian life. And when we are living out the Christian life, then other people will get excited about it, and they'll join in. And uh, that's what I love about this church. This is a church that does stuff, okay? There's my word again. You know, you go downstairs and you see your clothing outlets and you see your, your soccer camps that you're doing. And, and it seems like when I talk to Pastor Mike, he's always got a new idea. Because what is, does he have new ideas and does the elders and the deacons and, and all of you have new ideas just because you need stuff to do? Because you're bored with life and you need, no, you have new ideas because you want to, re, you have a passion for your community. And I commend you for that. You, you love your community and you want to see people come to know Jesus and also be followers of Christ that are excited about the Christian life. See, these are sophisticated notes. Here's one of my pages there. All, you know, farm boy notes right here, okay? You know, now I know Mike, he's probably got his fancy computer and all his, you know, no, he doesn't do that. Okay, but, uh, you know, he's, a, he's a, more of a phone guy. Here's my phone. My, my daughter gave me this because she didn't want it anymore, so I take it. <laughs> See, my problem is, I'm, I'm, um, you know, Carl said that I've been in ministry 30 years. Is that what you said? Did you calculate it for me? And I'm like, when you said that, it made me feel really, feel really old, okay? <laughs> Um, I still think of my, and my mom's the same way, I always, my mom's 83, doing pretty well, and, but she's kind of getting, you know, like this, you know, it's what happens when you get older, and she, I always, and she always gets frustrated, she goes, I still think I'm 18, she's, you know, she has an 83-year-old body, but she still says, I still feel 18 on the inside. I'm the same way. Do you guys feel that way too? You, you, you know, yes, we got, I got a bad hip and uh, I still try to play church softball, but then I pay for it the whole rest of the week. Um, but yeah, on the inside, I still feel like I'm young um, and, and I want to do everything, but I can't anymore. And, uh, and where am I going with this? I don't know, but let's go on. Uh, <laughs> Oh, i got to show you this verse. Most of you know it. But go over to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Verses 4 and 5. This is a passage that I have on my tape to my desk. Because I, I like to read it continually. Because it's a good reminder. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal or fleshly or worldly, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Every thought. Paul knew what it was to realize and utilize. See my subtitle? To realize and utilize the mind of Christ. Paul knew what it meant. By the way, what was the centerpiece of everything that Paul taught? Do you remember what it said in 1 Corinthians chapter 2? 
What was the focus of all of his life, of all of his teaching? Well, look what it said there. Verse 2. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Now, does that mean that's all he taught? Does that mean he, all he said? No, but it was the center of it. Kind of like when you throw a, a pebble in the pond, you know, it falls into the water and then it ripples. Well, the center is Christ, crucified, buried, risen. That's the gospel. But then it just ripples out and affects the whole little pond. Isn't that great? Every thought, every thought going back to 2 Corinthians. Realizing and utilizing the mind of Christ. Now, as I said, we have a farm and we still have animals. I told you about my wife's chickens. I still, I don't know why I do this, but I still have some steers and uh, I've got, well, I got one heifer. Uh, that's A heifer is a cow that hasn't had a calf, okay, if you don't know that, but, uh, and we have one dairy cow that's on vacation right now, he's at a farmer friend's house, um, because I got tired of milking it, so, <laughs> you know, t when I grew up on the dairy farm milking cows, it took like an hour and a half to milk about 50 cows my dad had, but I have found when I said, oh, let's, you know, a couple years ago when I told my wife, let's have a family dairy cow. We haven't had one on this farm for so long. So I got one. We, ra we raised it from a calf and, and got it bred and had a, had a it's, of course, her name is Daisy because you got to have a cow named Daisy. And then her calf is Belle. We still have Belle. And, um, but yeah, it's so much work, you know, to have one dairy cow takes about 45 minutes to, to, by the time you prepare milk and clean up, it like takes half the amount of time to do 50 as it does one because of the, the you know, getting everything cleaned up and everything from the milk. But it was good to have the milk. But um, anyway, we live on this, this, this farm and we still have the steers. And my brother-in-law lives across the street. He also dabbles in it. And uh, let me have a disclaimer here is that we make no money from the cattle because it's more hassle and more trouble and more problems. But it's, I, I just can't get away from it. I don't know what it is. I, I have it in my blood because I grew up with it and I, I still enjoy it. And, uh, but, and I think it really helps me spiritually because what it does is sometimes it also gives me a lot of funny illustrations. Now, this isn't one of them, but... Um, you know, my brother-in-law, he, he knew nothing about cattle, and uh, so he wanted to raise some across the street, and um, so he has some, and his cattle sometimes get sick, and then he calls me with, for advice, and sometimes, you know, I just say, you know, just, just deal with it, I'm busy, but, uh, but what I do as a good brother-in-law, I'll come over there, and I'll see what the problem is, and I'll prescribe medicine or I'll or I'll you know do something or I'll say hey your your calf is in a little 
area and it's 95 degrees out and there's not much air, give it some air already if it's panting. You know, sometimes he would make mistakes early in the days and didn't know exactly what to do. But my point is it would be easy for me, and sometimes I did, I would just, he'd call up with a problem and I'd say, hey, you got to do this or that. But, you know, I think it's, it was better for me just to go over there and, and assess the situation and, and be a part of the uh, fixing the problem and healing the problem. And I think in the Christian life, um, sometimes we're tempted to just do the Christian life uh, in a just kind of a hands-off manner, okay? Um, you know, we, we want people to be saved, we want people to be helped, but we want, you know, other people to do it. We'll, we'll give advice and we'll, we'll, you know, but we don't want to get messy because people are messy. Not physically, but people have issues, people have addictions, people have problems, and, and when you get involved in people's lives, it's hard. I'm going through a situation with a young couple in our church that's just, it's very messy, it's very hard, but you, sometimes you just got to jump in and, 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 and not be afraid to get involved with people's lives, and that's my suggestion, is when you have the mind of Christ, um, don't, don't shy away from the messiness. It's kind of like when you, you know, when you, my wife makes a cake or my daughter sometimes likes to bake. And uh, what happens in the kitchen when she bakes something exotic? There's flour and sugar and there's dirty pans. There's all kinds of mess all over the kitchen. You can't make a, uh, something fancy cake, or I don't know, I don't know what I'm talking about because I don't bake. But all I see is the results. I see a great thing that's made, but I also see a big mess that, that it took to make it. So when you're helping people, when you're discipling people, when you're evangelizing, yes, it, there's going to be a mess sometimes. But what do you see? A lot of times you see the fruit of your labor, if the Holy Spirit is working through you and, and if the Lord is blessing the situation, you see some wonderful things. So dig in there and get messy is what I'm saying. All right, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Look at verses 9 through 11. This is a warning that Paul gives in just a couple chapters down the road here. He says, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then the method word, by by the Spirit of our God. Again, I'm emphasizing the work of the Spirit because that's how we are changed. We were like, <laughs> like the, the things that are mentioned here, thieves and, and fornicators and drunkards 
You say, well, I wasn't that bad. Yes, we were all that bad when we were sinners lost in sin. We all have uh, different sins that we've struggled with and, and we're a part of, but we're all sinners that have a great Savior, a merciful Savior. And we have been justified in the name of Jesus by the Spirit. By the Holy Spirit. Never forget the power of the Spirit. Because we know what's happened in our life. If you're saved, if you're a follower of Jesus, you know what has happened in your life. That it's only by the power of the Spirit that you're saved. It's not because you were so smart or I was so smart and figured it all out and now I'm on the right path. No, it's, it's, it's God's grace through faith by, by the Spirit working. You know, I wasn't, I was, you know, when I showed up for that fourth grade Sunday school class in Woodstock, Illinois, in a little church plant, was it because I was so smart that I got there and heard the gospel? No, I just, God worked out the details so I could be in that one place at that one time to hear John 3.16 and be explained, uh, that, that my teacher explained to me the gospel, and I, and I believed. Um, you know, it's, it's, it, it was all of God. Everything in my life has been all of God, not because I'm, I'm, I'm you know, a great speaker, because I'm a, a great farmer. I'm a great, no, I, I wasn't a great, I was a terrible farmer. <laughs> and, and, you know, and, and I've made a lot of mistakes in ministry, but God's grace comes down and he, and he helps me through it and he, and he gets me through it. And hopefully I can, can have some kind of influence, but again, only by the Spirit. You know, I could have read 1 Corinthians chapter 2 a thousand times, memorized it, word perfect, um, and, and, just, and just, you know, practiced this message in front of a, a mirror for hours on it so it would be polished perfectly for you. But if I would have left out the preparation of the Spirit, just asking God for wisdom and pleading for Him to, to do the work, if I, if I skip that step, then none of the other stuff would matter. Now, yes, we've all known the stories of somebody gets saved through even a false teacher because the word of God is presented, and that's true. People can get saved through hearing the word, even if it's presented by a false teacher. But again, it's not the spirit working through the teacher, the false teacher, but the spirit still can work through the word of God that's presented even by a false teacher. So remember that. Never underestimate the power of the Spirit dealing with the Word of God. All right, secondly, got your second point there ready to go? We see that wisdom from God is given to those who love Christ by means of the Holy Spirit. Wisdom from God is given to those who love Christ by means of the Holy Spirit. I know these aren't profound statements, but reminders to us. We need wisdom. We need a lot of wisdom. And the only way we're going to get true godly wisdom is walking with Christ, loving Christ, and then having the power of the Holy Spirit working in us. There was an early intellectual philosopher named 
Philo. You ever heard of Philo? Well, Philo taught a lot of a lot of things, okay? Most of it garbage, but he was respected intellect, okay? One of the things he said was this, the human spirit could know the things of God. He taught that the human spirit could know the things of God. Now, of course, anybody can read the scripture and intellectually obtain things about God through the word. But to know God, to know the deep things of God, to know and understand the gospel and apply it to our lives, you can't do it. You can't do it just through human, our human spirit, small s, human spirit. In verse 10, look at verse 10. Well, let me go ahead. I don't, I don't think I've read 6 through 12 for you. Let's look at that. However, we speak, this is 1 Corinthians chapter 2. First, go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6. However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age, who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the Spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. In verse 10, Paul mentioned the deep things of God. Okay, the word there is, I'm no Greek scholar, but I looked it up, bathos, okay? Although I have been challenged. I have a, an intern this summer, and um, I... I had to take, you know, a good number of Greek courses in college and seminary, and, uh, but I never really perfected it. But having an intern and trying to show him some of the, the basic beginnings of Greek has been, has been good because it makes me get back in there and dig. And, and I would encourage you, and by the way, this intern's only, uh, I think he hasn't even turned 18. He just graduated from high school, and he's going to go off to Bible college, and he wanted to do something at the church, so we... We got him involved, so I'm just giving him the really the beginning things, and and really, if you if you want to, you can. You know, there's all kinds of resources on on the computer and the internet for for learning some of the basics, and you can do it in a in a few. Now, yeah, you're not going to be you know getting really far into it, but you can. It can really help you in your Bible study. You're just knowing some of the beginning things. So I would encourage you to go ahead and do that if you can, if you if you have an inkling to do that, but. Getting back to this word, the bathos of God, the depth of God, uh, there's nothing shallow about God. You know, I was walking in, in your hallway there with the museum, uh, your, your, your creation museum that you have here, and when you, when you look at the universe and you see some of the stars and you think about, uh, it, out by us, it's, it's, when you have a starry night, you can see just so much, and it, it just makes you think 
about, our, about the creation of God, but then you think, well, who created God? You know, it's, it, makes you, it just blows your mind when you think about the depth of God. The depth of God. Now, if you have the mind of Christ, you can understand some of that. Obviously not all, because we are, you know, we're like fleas on a dog. We're, we're small, we're minuscule, we're, we're created beings. But at the same time, God in his mercy and his grace, as, as having the mind of Christ, allows us into kind of in the hallway of, of his being and lets us see some things that maybe the natural man cannot see. And we should be thankful that we can understand and as we look at the word and, and we can search some things out and know a little bit more. And that's pretty cool to be, know a little bit more of the depth of God. And it's, again, deeper than we can ever imagine. But it is, it is amazing. You know, Paul talked about, as believers, we need more than just the milk. Yes, again, the center of everything is the gospel. But he doesn't mean by just focus only on that. You start with that and then you go out to solid food. And you, you, you get into various passages and you study a paragraph at a time. You study, then you go to a, a chapter and then you go to a book and then you, you consider the, the big picture of things. And those are important things. And, you know, you do need to take time. I was saying how I love to... To, yes, to get into Paul's letters and focus on that more. But yeah, there, there are times where we need to get into the book of Isaiah and work through the text. There are times where in our devotions we need to consider the book of Revelation. And, and we need to think about end times maybe in First and Second Thessalonians. So there, we need to make sure we don't just have a soapbox on our favorite things. There was a there was a time I was ministering with a person that would frustrate me because he was, he was an elder that every time he got up to preach, he would preach on one topic. It seemed like he would, he would kind of have other texts, but he would kind of use the other text as springboards to get back to his favorite text. And if we do that, if, if your devotions are always, oh, I love the book of Ephesians, and if your devotions are always in the book of Ephesians, you're going to limit yourself into understanding the the or at least having a glimpse of the wisdom and depth of god you need to get into some of these you need you need to read through the whole bible start with genesis now you say well if i start in genesis what happens is i get in leviticus and then i start losing interest and well if you here's what you do if you're reading through the bible read through the bible in like four different areas start in genesis but also start in psalms start in matthew and maybe start in uh 1 Corinthians, so you're reading, and you don't necessarily have to read all four every day, but at least alternate or try to read two of them, and that way you, when you do get to Leviticus, you don't give up, you keep reading, and you keep plowing through it, and you, and you ask God for wisdom to understand it, but you also are able to read the other passages as well, and that encourages you to keep going in all four areas, if that's what you choose to do. Now, again, in order to understand these things, though, what do we need? We need wisdom. Where do we get wisdom? We ask of God. Go to James chapter 1 with me. James chapter 1. I know I'm running out of time, but I, I, I got to have you go to James because I love James. 
James chapter 1, because this is a reminder, because I need to do this a lot. Uh, look at verse 2. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, what do we do? Let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. Don't forget, whenever you need God's wisdom, which is daily, ask him for it in prayer. Seek him, and he will give it to you. Now, again, you'll know not everything, but you'll get deeper. You'll get into the bathos of God, the depth of God, which he loves to share with his children. There's Ivy League wisdom, but then there's prayer closet wisdom. You like that movie... Uh, is it War Room? I watched that not too long ago for about the third time. It just encourages me because it, it reminds me of the importance. It's not a perfect movie. No, no movies are perfect. But it does remind us of the importance of prayer. I'm kind of a collector, so I, lo I love to collect old records. I'm, I'm a vinyl guy. Does anyone else collect vinyl records? Still? I even collect 8-tracks, okay? Remember 8-tracks? When I was in high school, I had a cool 8-track player in my 71 Monte Carlo. But, uh, yeah, I like to collect stuff. But I have a room in my house that I don't put any collectibles in because I don't want it to be, when I go in there and study, I don't want to be thinking about, oh, I remember that record. I remember that. No, I want to. You, you, you need a place where you can just focus on God totally, okay? And that's important. And, and it shuts out all the, the noise of the world that can get in our way. All right, I need to give you the third point, don't I, before you go? Because you're going to go out in that big mission field of life. All right, where's my third point? Anyone seen it? All right, verses 13 through 16. It's really kind of a summary when you think about it. Um, here it is. The Christian enjoys a great privilege illumination of the holy spirit you say that's really not profound it it's not profound but it's true right the christian enjoys a great privilege it's a it's a fantastic privilege to have the illumination of the holy spirit because there are times we're just like what what's going on god loves to give us understanding you say well you know, we have Bible scholars that just don't, you know, I have a commentary, you know, that I go to for, for a complete understanding. Don't always run to the so-called Bible scholars. Yes, it's good to, to use tools. It's good to use commentaries. But grasp, uh, grapple with the text yourself and, and ask God for wisdom and ask the Holy Spirit to illumine your mind to the word of God. And then if you're still stuck and you're still not sure, yes, then use the tools. But don't ever go to the tools first. Beware of that. Um, Psalm 119. If you want to know the importance of the word of God, go to Psalm 119 daily and see the power of the word of God, the power of, of the Old Testament, and then going into the power of the New Testament. You know, it's sometimes people think, well, the Lord really used the New Testament. The Old Testament is just the history book. No, it's, there's power in the Old Testament, just as there is power in the New, New Testament. Um, 
You know, in the Middle Ages, the church taught that only the priest could, could understand and apply the word of God. Uh, don't start thinking like that. Well, only the, only the um, where did Mike go to college? Oh, he went to master's, right? Don't only think, well, only the master's guys really know, or only the Dallas guys or the Grace guys. They're the ones that have a handle on the word of God. Uh, yes, there's some smart, smart people. Uh, at these seminaries that know a lot of stuff, but you know what? The Holy Spirit's smarter than those guys, okay? And I'm not belittling good seminaries, but don't think that you can only learn from your pastor or your Sunday school teacher or uh, your commentary. Dig into the Word yourself. That's the most important thing you can do. Be like um, Jacob. Kind of wrestle with God. You know, <laughs> He was, remember when Jacob was wrestling with God? Um, kind of do that with your Bible learning. Wrestle with it. Uh, don't, don't say, well, I, I, don't, I don't know. I can't, I can't understand anything. The Holy Spirit will give you wisdom. I have some more stuff, but um, uh, we're not going to go there. By the way, write this down. Romans 8, 1 through 11. Okay, we're not going to go to it because we're out of time. But write that passage down if you're taking notes. Romans 8, 1 through 11. Because Paul wrote that letter to the church in Roman, in Rome, uh, called Romans. But um, if you look through that passage, the Holy Spirit is referred to eleven times, eleven times, in Romans chapter eight. Um, Paul really believed in the power of the Holy Spirit. He really believed in walking with the Spirit, and he practiced. He didn't only believe it; he practiced it. I think most of us here will believe it. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I, I know he's powerful, but are we going to go out and do it? Are we going to walk with him like Enoch walked with God? Are we going to walk in the power of the Spirit like Paul did? Are we going to do it, or are we just going to talk about it? You know, I talked about hockey. You know, I could, I could say I'm a hockey fan, but am I going to put, you know, it had to come from experience. Experience God this week. Go out and walk with would you do that for me? Would you do that not for me, but for God? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. We just touched on this passage, Lord, as you know. But Lord, I pray that you would, there would be a verse or two or a word or two from this passage that would, that would get a hold of all of us in one way or another. It's all, you, you speak to us in different ways and different means and different verses, uh, hit us at different times in our lives because of what we're going through. There's probably some people going through real financial battles or, or relationship battles or uh, maybe some trouble at school or at work and, uh, and, and there's, there's worry, there's anxiety. Lord, I pray that you would help them. You would give them grace and mercy and wisdom as they seek you with all their hearts, and they would seek you by the power of the Holy Spirit to solve these things that have come up. And I pray that they would just walk with you and, and if need be, jump into your arms and be carried uh, through these difficulties. Lord, we're thankful that we were able to get into your word a little bit today, and I pray that you would just use it in our lives however you want to be used. We pray this in Jesus' name.